Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest William Yateman. He's a senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll be talking about some of the things going on in Capitol Hill. Ellen Prager is a marine scientist. Uh, She runs the organization Earth to Ocean. She just returned from Galapagos. I thought it might be interesting to find out uh, her thoughts and experiences there. Megan Rose is the CEO of Better Together doing terrific work here in the community, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Uh, We're going to be talking about Buzz Aldrin and has an unlimited vision for America. It is May the 12th and on this day in 1780, after a siege that began on April the 2nd, 1780, Americans suffered the worst defeat of the revolution with an unconditional surrender of Major General Benjamin Lincoln to British Lieutenant General Sir Henry Clinton and his army of 10,000 at Charleston, South Carolina. With the victory, the British captured more than 3,000 patriots and a great quantity of munitions, which were precious at the time. And equipment, losing only 250 killed and wounded in the process. Confident of British control in the South, Lieutenant General Clinton sailed north to New York after the victory, having learned of an impending French expedition to the British-occupied northern state. He left General Charles Cornwallis in command of 8,300 British forces in the South. South Carolina was a deeply divided state with the British presence uh, let loose the full violence of a civil war upon the population. First, the British used loyalists to pacify the Patriot population. The Patriots returned to the violence and kind. The guerrilla warfare strategies employed by the Patriot Francis Marion, Thomas Sumter, and Nathaniel Green throughout the Carolina campaign of 1780 and 81 eventually chased the far more numerous British forces into Virginia, where they eventually surrendered at Yorktown on October the 19th, 1781. Having severed the humiliation of surrendering to the British at Charleston, Major General Lincoln was able to return to the tables and accept Cornwallis's ceremonial surrender to George Washington at Yorktown on October the 20th. So very difficult times during the uh, Revolutionary War. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't easy, and the, there were a lot of p- patriots, but of course there were also a lot of loyalists to the king as well. It made it very difficult. But uh, nevertheless, uh, with setbacks in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, the Patriots prevailed. Well, the gauge of uh, global stock performance slid Thursday after U.S. jobless claims and a modest rise in producer prices suggested a slowing economy, which has pushed the Treasury yields lower, as it could allow the Federal Reserve to halt rising interest rates. The number of Americans uh, filing new claims for unemployment benefits jumped to a a one-and-a-half-year high last week, while producer prices rebounded modestly in April, leading to the smallest annual increase in uh, producer inflation in more than two years. Excuse me. The uh, two uh, Labor Department reports suggested demand was slowing and raised the risk of a recession later this year as a uh, credit crunch crimps bank lending. And, of course, the market reflected that uh, yesterday with uh, some pretty substantial losses. By any serious measure, the charges that House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer and his colleagues laid out against the Biden family Wednesday were a big deal. Comer and the company uh, alleged that the Bidens received more than $10 million from foreign nationals during the president's eight years as vice president. But would you, you wouldn't know it from the network coverage. In fact... The broadcast networks gave, get this, zero seconds of coverage to the charges. It's just one of the many examples of the left-wing news and the media circling the wagons around the Bidens by refusing to cover uh, the charges against them. It's going to be difficult to uh, press on with this whole process when the mainstream media is against, well, truth and what's ha- what's happening with uh, that committee. <clears throat> 
Governor Ron DeSantis signed four pieces of legislation to protect Floridians from medical mandates, empower doctors, and prohibit dangerous gain-of-function research. These comprehensive uh, pieces of legislation, Governor DeSantis codified a permanent COVID-19 protections in the state and positioned Florida as a national leader for medical freedom. The landmark legislation package signed yesterday safeguards residents from freedom by ensuring no patient is forced by a business, school, or government entity to undergo testing, wear a mask, or be vaccinated for COVID-19. The legislation also affords medical professionals the freedom to collaborate with patients in prescribing alternative treatments and protects physicians' freedom of speech. This, to me, is such a big deal. I was appalled at when I saw with the CDC and uh, how doctors responded. It was just amazing to me how we were quickly losing our medical freedom. But this law that uh, now is for a series of four laws that have been signed into law are just really important to me anyhow, and I hope they are to you as well. Lastly, Florida is the first state to ban unsafe and unregulated gain-of-function research like the research conducted at the Wuhan lab. Our early actions during the pandemic uh, protected Floridians and their freedoms, said Governor Ron DeSantis. We protected the right of Floridians to make decisions for themselves and their children and rejected COVID theater, narratives, and hysteria in the uh, favor of truth and data. This expanded protections... Uh, which will help ensure that medical authoritarianism does not take root in Florida. Governor DeSantis also had a pinnacle for, uh, been a pinnacle for freedom. Today, we advance the cause of public health and individual autonomy in medical decisions. That, according to Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo, uh, from empowering patients to safeguarding children in schools, Florida continues to enshrine uh, individual liberty and lead with common sense. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's the most comprehensive medical freedom bill in the nation, and I'm so pleased to see that Governor Sanders in the state of Florida are leading the way. Uh, I'm going to let you, you can flush this out later on your own, but it's important to understand these freedoms, and I hope uh, you'll get a chance to uh, take a look at the uh, state website and check out the freedoms that have been established. Well, President Biden said on Tuesday he would take a hard look at clawing back unspent COVID relief funds as part of a budget deal with the GOP, just what the doctor recommended in a Wall Street Journal op-ed on Monday. Some lawmakers, like uh, Representative Rosa DeLauro, uh, she's, a rank, she's a Democrat and ranking member of the House Appropriations Committee, they're harboring bad thoughts about using the money as a slush fund. The fund should be returned to the Treasury, argued CEI's Dr. Joel Zinberg. That would reduce the deficit and restore decision-making authority to the, to the Congress. If future projects are truly valuable, lawmakers should fund them. Cutting the deficit would require hard choices. Recovering unspent COVID funds well after the emergency has ended is an easy choice. So how much money are we talking about? Congress appropriated $4.6 trillion for pandemic response and recovery in six COVID-19 relief bills enacted between March 2020 and March 21st. So $4.6 trillion. Can you imagine? More than two years later, $444 billion of the total remains unspent. More than $114 billion hasn't even been obligated or committed to pay for goods and services ordered or received. Of this amount, $90 billion remains unavailable or remains available for obligation, and $23.7 billion has expired, meaning it can't be used to incur new obligations. So can you imagine $444 billion that in these negotiations the president could easily say, let's use that to reduce uh, the deficit? Uh, a recent bullet from the White House, and it is full of hysteria and bogus doom-and-gloom scenarios if Republicans' cuts are implemented. Here's a few of the more shameful scare tactics that the Democrats in this administration are using uh, to much of the media. And the media, of course, is amplifying this. It's, they claim on a presidential website, our uh, administration, uh, Biden administration website, 30 million fewer veterans outpatient visits, 200,000 students lose Head Start, 1.7 million women lose nutrition support, 30,000 fewer miles of rail lines inspected for safety, a delay in cancer and Alzheimer's research, 
work requirements would mean millions of people losing Medicaid coverage, 108,000 fewer teachers for low-income students, take away nutrition services like Meals on Wheels for more than 1 million seniors. I'm not kidding, they claimed all this. The folks at the Committee on Un- to Unleash Prosperity, if you're not familiar with them, suggest you subscribe to their newsletter, Committee to Unleash Prosperity decided to read through the House Republican debt plan, a document that passed the House. They searched up and down and sideways and far and wide and never saw a single reference to Meals on Wheels, veteran benefit cuts, cancer research, cuts in the rail safety programs, or veteran benefits. Uh, the, White, uh, the White House literally made, these, uh, made all this is up. The plan uh, simply requires that all overall appropriations for fiscal year 2024 shall ha- be no higher than the fiscal year 2022. The Biden administration says that this is a 22% cut, but that is only because the Dems were planning on increasing spending by 22%. It's a perfect reminder of the budget shell game that's being played by Washington. A cut is not a decrease in spending, but a reduction in spending from what Congress wanted to spend. In other words, a cut is a decrease in in the increase. It's a decrease in the increase. No wonder we have a $31 trillion debt. I have some something music playing in the background, and I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know what to do about it, but just continue with... uh, with uh, this segment. A debt deal meeting between U.S. President Joe Biden and top lawmakers has been scheduled for Friday. It's been postponed, and the leaders agreed to meet earlier next week, a White House spokesman said on Thursday. Aides from both sides both started to discuss ways to limit federal spending as talks on raising government uh, $31.4 trillion debt ceiling to avoid catastrophic default. Staff will continue working at all principles and agreed to meet early next week, the spokesman said. The fact that spending cuts and caps are under discussion could be a sign of progress in talks where the Democrats have long pushed for unconditional lifting of the debt ceiling. So I see all this as extremely pop- positive right now, and uh, the, the talks are being postponed. The... Uh, Underlings are going to get together and see if they can't work out some sort of a deal that the uh, two parties can come together, perhaps get this resolved before June 1st when Chicken Lickin or uh, Janet Yellen uh, say that the sky is going to fall and when things are going to just go into total chaos. <clears throat> and, of course, today we have the, uh, the Title 42 is expiring, and that's a big, big deal we'll have to talk about th- later in the show. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Mm-hmm. 
Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in an individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with ocean scientist Ellen Prager. Right now we have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow at Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. Uh, We're a nonprofit uh, law firm, and we defend Americans from government overreach and abuse. I should note, we defend Americans for free from government overreach and abuse. Which is really amazing. How do you go about uh, determining which cases you'll take on? Because there's got to be millions of cases like this. (laughs) We we are, uh, alas, that there is a high number, uh, a high case pool um, and we, we, we do our due diligence and, and we try to, because uh, we have limited resources, just focus on the best opportunities to, to advance freedom and individual liberty. Perfect. Uh, that's uh, PacificLegal.org is the website if you want to check it out. I hope you will. PacificLegal.org. William, uh, let's uh, do an update on the debt ceiling discussions. Uh, it looks like they're actually going to have some discussions. Indeed. So I'm pleased to report that uh, the president has blinked. Um, in the wake of a meeting at the White House on Tuesday with congressional leaders, um, negotiations have since gotten underway. Um, and the early reports out of that are, are that they're sort of nearing a, a 2011-type deal uh, with spending caps or discretionary spending caps. And as of now, and this is according to the latest reporting from this morning, um, the the impasse between the two sides is the GOP, the the Republicans are looking for a decade's worth of spending caps, and that is very that's exactly what occurred in 2011. Huh. Um, whereas the Democrats are keen on uh, more limited, a two-year spending caps. Um, other items that evidently are on the table, uh, both sides seem to agree on the wisdom of clawing back, you know, the hundreds of billions of dollars. <clears throat> in unspent COVID uh, uh, spending um, in the course of those seven bills that were passed during the pandemic. Um, And then also permitting reform is another issue that both sides appear to to have some agreement on. So the situation is very fluid. We've got the quote-unquote X date. Uh, That is what people on Capitol Hill are referring to the approaching date believed to be in early June when we would hit the debt ceiling limit. So uh, situation is fluid. Um, we've got, I guess, three odd weeks. It does appear as though the Senate is going to cancel uh, uh, one of its upcoming recesses in order to ensure that everyone remains in town. So uh, situation fluid. Uh, we'll have something new to report next Friday. But as of now, the good news is the president blanked and he finally came to the table. Well, that's good news, and uh, there has been some talk about uh, Biden using the Fourteenth Amendment to get his way. This is just bizarre. So, indeed, yeah, on, in a televised address on Wednesday, uh, President Biden brought up that his administration is considering using a section for the Fourteenth Amendment, um, and this provides that uh, the validity of public debt, uh, the public debt of the United States, authorized by law, shall not be questioned. 
And sort of the way this would work would be the president basically declares that Congress was acting unconstitutionally in not raising the debt limit, and then he does it himself unilaterally. Um, this is bonkers. I mean, this is something that's sort of across the, you know, from, from left to right in the legal professoriate. Um, people are skeptical of this idea. Frankly, I'm astonished he even brought it up, given that there are negotiations ongoing. Yeah. Um, so it, it is, uh, I'll, I'll say this, the fact that he even brought it up is a testament to uh, uh, this administration's and sort of, alas, the, the modern president's commitment to unilateral action. Yeah. Not following the Constitution. It's Indeed. too bad. And, and, well, in my view, uh, there's, uh, I think, about 7% of the uh, income, $5 trillion that we have coming in each year because of taxation. We should be able to pay the debt with it and uh, just cut back on other things pretty easily. So hopefully they'll come to their senses and get an agreement. Here, here. So uh, let's uh, move to uh, uh, the uh, <laughs> regulations that Biden's uh, planning on imposing on uh, the United States. This is remarkable. So sort of in line with that unilateral uh, executive power stuff, the president, usually, so the normal course for progressive presidents is to wait until their second term when they no longer face uh, electoral accountability before Mm -hmm. they go for the gusto with their environmental policies. Um, But President Biden uh, uh, I guess uh, to his credit, his limited credit, because he's putting these things on the table before re-election. This week, he proposed a, a rule, his EPA did, that would effectively phase out coal and natural gas-fired power plants for baseload electricity. I mean, you know, the stuff that keeps our lights on um, by 2035, hmm. which is, you know, it, it's uh, notable that he would establish the commitment after he was out of office, but. It's also just a it's a bonkers idea. This follows fresh on the heels two weeks ago of the EPA proposing a rule that would phase out the internal combustion engine by 2035 that would require uh, uh, 80 percent of the cars of of newly uh, manufactured cars to be electric vehicles. So this uh, this is something I guess this president does the so many of the executive power overreaches that it, it, it's easy for these individual measures to get lost in the shuffle. But here, you know, we're talking about phasing out power plants, yeah. I mean, fossil fuel power plants, which are important. And we're talking about phasing out the internal combustion engine of the American car. So th- these are very big deals. And, and it is it is remarkable that the president is, is pursuing these policies in his first term. Um, and I think people should be aware. I mean, yeah. this is, it would be this on steroids um, in a second term when no electoral accountability was to be faced. On the other hand, there is a, a Supreme Court case pending that uh, could reinforce the limiting of alphabet agencies to uh, run amok with regard to uh, uh, regulations and policies. I'm so glad you brought that up because I forgot to mention this. These two measures, they follow on the heels of this very important Supreme Court case that was decided last June, West Virginia v. EPA. Um, without going into the legalese, I'll just say that the Supreme Court basically said, uh, sent a strong message uh, to the president and to all future presidents saying, we don't want you imposing huge, sweeping, law-like regulations based on tenuous statutory authority, or based on uh, basically a, a, a very vague legal text. It was an open question how the Biden administration was going to respond. These two regulations that I just brought up, uh, they fly in the face uh, of this messaging that they received from the Supreme Court. What I'm saying here is that their strategy seems to be, Supreme Court be darned, yeah. We're going to go ahead and propose these outlandish, uh, outrageous rules, and we're going to put the political onus on the Supreme Court to check us. So, uh, again, this is in line with this sort of executive unilateral power run amok theme that I was discussing earlier. Absolutely. William Yatman, again, senior legal fellow with the Pacific Legal Foundation, PacificLegal.org is the website. I really appreciate your commentary here on the show, William. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, Ellen Prager. She's a marine scientist just returning from Galapagos. We'll find out about that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. (laughs) 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Megan Rose. She is the CEO of Better Together. Right now, we have with us Ellen Prager. Ellen, sometimes I don't know how to refer to you, but I uh, I, I see you as an ocean scientist or marine scientist or earth scientist. Uh, but anyhow, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Bob. Yeah, I, you know, marine scientist. I usually go by marine scientist and author. That kind of covers most of it. All right, very good. So, uh, uh, your your organization, by the way, is Earth to Ocean, and what exactly do you do? So, that, truthfully, that's essentially me. It's just my like a consulting firm. Uh-huh. It's just my business that I use. Gotcha. So you're just returning from the Galapagos Island. I invited you on the show, in fact, last week, but you said uh, you're at the Galapagos and traveling. So I, I'm so fascinated by this. Of course, uh, the uh, and I, what is his name? The guy that uh, started the uh, natural selection and all that. What is his? Oh, Darwin. Yeah, uh, did a lot of his research there. Can you tell us about the trip? So, I one of my, you know, it's kind of a fantastic gig, is I am the science advisor for Celebrity Cruises expedition ships in the Galapagos. So they have three ships, and so I go down a couple times a year. Oh, the horrors! No, no, I go down a couple times a year. And I work with all the naturalists on board, help do some training beyond what the Galapagos Park gives them. I work on communications on ship, making sure the briefings are perfect for all the guests. Essentially, what I do is make sure that the guests get the best experience possible in terms of science, safety on excursions, communication. So it's great. I go down. I get to go on all. I get to go snorkeling, hiking, work with Galapagos Park naturalists, and, and of course, help guests see the Galapagos for the first time, which is fantastic. Wow, that sounds so exciting. And by the way, uh, Celebrity Cruise Lines happens to be our choice uh, as well, and hopefully one day we'll make it to the Galapagos. Oh, I, you have to. I'm, I must say that one of my limitations is I've uh, I had some surgeries, so I've used a cane and so forth. And I'm just wondering, is, is, it, uh, is it possible to make a trip there and enjoy it without uh, you know, being particularly ambulatory? Well, that is a little difficult. Yeah. Um, you certainly wouldn't be able to do all the hikes. Um, I don't know if you can still snorkel. You'd have to be able there are no there are no big docks in the Galapagos. So every ship and I will say the best way to see the Galapagos is going on a ship because uh-huh. you know, there are it's a it's an archipelago of islands 
and you want to be able to get from the southeast to the west because the islands change dramatically with age. There's and so you you want to go on a ship, and the thing is, you need to be able to go from the ship into like a zodiac to get anywhere, mm-hmm. since there are no big docks. So it just depends how ambulatory you are. But what, one of the things we try and do on the celebrity ships is we give options. Mm-hmm. So there might be a long lava hike, but if you can't do that, there might be a zodiac ride that you could do, uh-huh. or a short walk that is really you know just go to the beach and look around. So. You certainly, if you're not ambulatory, you won't be able to do everything, and you would be restricted in how much you get to see, but you still can do the Zodiac rides. If, as long as you can get in and out of a Zodiac, yeah. you, you're, you're okay to do some, you, but you definitely won't be able to do everything. So, uh, um, of course, uh, Darwin visited there because he used that as an establishment for his theory on natural selection. And uh, I guess the premise is that there's just a lot of life, a lot of uh, wildlife and uh, natural life there that uh, doesn't exist in other places. Well, so the way it works is that the islands are very remote. And so the only ways that animals can get there and settle is by on rafts of debris or in a storm. So actually, very there are very limited species, but those species have adapted and changed over time to become what we call endemic or, or new species, <clears throat> not found anywhere else in the world. Hmm. And because they're so well protected now and there's tons of food for them and there's little competition, there's a huge abundance of wildlife. And even better, they're not afraid of humans because they're so well protected. So there are marine iguanas, the only marine iguanas in the world that dive down into the ocean to feed on algae, and then they come up and they sit on the lava rocks to warm up in the, in the equatorial sun. And they're unafraid. So you walk, you have to like, be careful not to step on them. There's so many. Wow. The, the birds, the blue-footed boobies, the red-footed boobies, the Nazca boobies, they will lay their eggs and raise their chicks literally in the trails because they're unafraid. Isn't that amazing? It's, it is astonishing. And so you have species that are found nowhere else. You have a very weird mix of animals because you're in the tropics, but you have cold water bathing the, the, bathing the islands from coming up from the, um, the Antarctic and also up on. So you have, you have the world's second smallest penguins, but you also have tropical fish and yeah. sharks and sea turtles. And so it's also this you know, weird mix of animals. Yeah. Now, it's, I think it's pretty close to the equator. Uh, it straddles, the, the archipelago of islands straddles the equator. So we actually, on our trips, usually go over the equator twice while, during the trip. Okay, so uh, what's the best time of year to go? Oh, gosh, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, and honestly, any time of the year is great in the Galapagos because you're going to see the animal action year-round. Uh-huh. It really depends on people's preferences from... January, say January to May, tends to be the warmer months. So the water's warmer for snorkeling, but it can be pretty hot on the islands for hiking. Then, say, July to November are the cooler months. The water's a little cold, or we we'll like to say refreshing for snorkeling, but we give, we give people wetsuits. But the temperature on the islands for hiking is perfect. So, it, you know, if you, if you really have to have warm water, Go the first half of the year. If you can steal, you know, wetsuits, cooler water, and you, you know, like hiking and it's not really hot, then go sort of the second half of the year. All right, very good. Before I let you go, though, I, I know that uh, you're contributing a lot to young people by uh, your writing. The latest, I think, is Escape Undersea. Maybe you can tell us about it. Sure. Escape Undersea is the third book in a series called The Wonderlist Adventures. And the first one was Escape Galapagos, and it's about a family who's uh, the mother has passed away, and to honor her memory, because she was very adventurous, the father takes his two teen kids to the places on her wonder list, all the places she wanted to go in her, her life. And, of course, every time they go someplace, they have more adventure than they planned for. And things happen, and it's, there's lots of humor and action, and a lot of fun science learning about nature is in the book. But it's really sort of adventure stories. Very good. Ellen Prager, again, her firm, Earth to Ocean, which is really Ellen, <laughs> as <she's, laughs> she revealed to us. Uh, and by the way, uh, one of her books is uh, Oceans, and I must say I enjoyed reading it. And uh, what, we, what I discovered is we know so little 
about our environment, especially when it comes to the oceans. We probably know more about outer, outer space than we know about the oceans. So I highly recommend the book, Oceans by Ellen Prager. Ellen, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much, Bob. My Take pleasure care. indeed. All right, uh, coming up, we're going to be uh, visiting <clears throat> uh, with uh, Megan Rose. She is she is the CEO of a terrific organization. What do you hear about just really inspiring work of uh, Megan Rose and Better Together? Uh, before we go to the next segment, though, I do want to remind you that uh, Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., there's a great menu for dinner at Lulubee's Diner. Uh, it's known for good breakfasts or lunches, but uh, again, the dinner is just fantastic. Great comfort food, but also some great seafood items. Uh, Richie creates a salmon uh, snapper. Uh, grouper dishes that are just wonderful. So uh, just think about that as a casual alternative Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree uh, Shopping Center. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on their board and they get the politics and know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in their state legislatures and in the federal government as well. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Megan Rose. She is the CEO of Better Together. Megan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Tell us about Better Together. Well, Better Together is a privately funded nonprofit that's headquartered in Naples, Florida, but we do work all over the state of Florida and the country um, through two programs. Our Better Families program helps prevent the need of foster care. Um, by utilizing volunteers to care for children short-term while their parents are working through a crisis and mentoring families. And then our Better Jobs program is nationwide, um, and we work with churches and volunteers to host job fairs that are not your typical job fairs. Um, These are job fairs that have hope and just a culture of celebration um, where we focus on people's future and volunteers rally around people walking through the doors and help them find work and opportunities and hope. Yeah. You know, Megan, uh, p- both 
parts of your organization are so inspiring. Let's jo- talk with the jobs one because you had a program called Second Chance, I believe it's called. And to, to me, uh, you know, I can't imagine anything more difficult than having a criminal record and trying to get a new job. Tell us about the program. So April is Second Chance Month, and we host a day called the Nationwide Day of Second Chances, and it was an amazing day. We partnered with churches all across the country, from Washington, D.C., to Lexington, Kentucky, to here in Southwest Florida, and these are job fairs that are second chance friendly, so that means that anybody who walks through the door, regardless of their history, if they have criminal record, gaps in their resume, um, Every employer that was at the job fairs were willing to take a chance on them and hire them. Um, They were second chance friendly employers. And so it removed the fear. Um, People could come in and know that that thing that they did, that they served time on, that they had put in the past, they're ready to move forward. They didn't have to, like that wasn't going to hold them back. Um, And, that's what we saw across the country. We saw people who wanted to work um, that had difficulties because of barriers. Um, and, but they were ready. They were yeah. ready to work. They wanted to work. Um, and it was just a beautiful thing to see volunteers coming alongside them, building up their confidence, encouraging them, helping them with their resumes, and then introducing them to hiring managers who most were ready to hire on the spot at our job fairs. Wow, it's amazing. And I must say, the, the coaching that you provide, and you'd mentioned it, but uh, things like maintaining eye contact, being prepared with a resume or with a list of the things that you've done in your life, or uh, you know how to shake hands and uh, introduce yourself to uh, somebody who's uh, offering a job, you know, these are things, and then coaching during the course of the day. That actually, I guess uh, your volunteers are actually with them when they go to the job fair. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's really beautiful, Bob. Um, one story that really stuck out to me is Emerson. Um, Emerson arrived to our job fair in Anacostia, um, which is a very poor yeah. um, county right outside of Washington, D.C. And he had his hoodie on. He was slouched. He wasn't sure what to expect. He was super nervous. Um, He had been struggling to find a job for way too long. And it wasn't that he didn't want to work. He really wanted to work. But he had been just rejected over and over and over again. He could not get in front of a real live human who would get to know him, see what he could offer that company. And so he, he wasn't sure what to expect. And he walked in with his hoodie up, just kind of slouched, you know, slouched and um, he met with a volunteer, and they started to get to know him. And, you know, he took his hoodie off, and you could just see the difference um, in just his body language. And he ended up walking away with not just one, but two job offers. Wow. And his story is just, he's literally, <laughs> he's like just glowing. Yeah. Um, and he just felt like he could conquer the world. He's like, I just feel like I can do anything. And just his confidence from going just sad, depressed, not sure what to expect, to feeling like he could just change his entire life. Like, that's the difference our job fairs make in the lives of people yeah, who walk through them. Just wonderful. And, of course, the success rate is pretty remarkable. I mean, uh, that uh, he's an example, but it's, it's not like an isolated example. There's many, many who walk away with jobs at these job fairs across the country. Yeah, actually, it's a... It's over half the people who walk through our job fairs get hired within six weeks. Oh, my goodness. That is fabulous, Megan. Uh, before I let you go, I do want to find out about the other part of your organization, which I find equally inspiring, which is uh, you know, cri- families get in crisis. It may be an alcohol or an addiction problem. It may be a problem of homelessness or uh, other things that go on that in many cases lead to family, lead to the kids going into foster care and getting into a prolonged position of being under the care of the state. You bypass that. Maybe you could tell us about that. It is, you know, DCF has a really big job to do. They get millions of calls for the hotline every year in the state of Florida. Um, foster care is the third largest for Florida in the entire U.S. Um, so we're trying to put them essentially out of business. 
um, by utilizing volunteers that come alongside families before it gets to the point where DCF has to remove those children and place them in the foster care. So this could be um, a family. We just helped a mom who was struggling with addiction and she wanted to get into treatment, but she, she couldn't because she had nobody to care for her baby. And so we help provide volunteers that are vetted, background checked, not paid, um, but incredible humans that are willing to offer up their time, their homes, the care for children short term to allow parents to take the steps that they need um, to become the best versions of themselves, to be able to get back on their feet um, and be able to accomplish their goals, whether it's treatment, whether it's finding a job. Um, or getting into better housing, putting together a budget. Um, but it's really empowering people um, and helping them be the best version of themselves yeah. um, and stepping in before it gets to the point um, that government needs to intervene. And it's just a beautiful thing. We've been able to help over 6,200 children reduce foster care in Southwest Florida, and now we have grown that program across the state into over 13 counties. And you're not in competition with foster care. I think they're encouraging you, aren't they? Yes, we have this amazing partnership with the state. They actually introduce over 60% of the families that we work with. So we become a really great tool in their toolkit. Um, And it's just a really great example of a private-public partnership. um, And collaboration can just have the best outcomes for children and families in a community. And and what's really special about this is in many cases – uh, the sponsor family stays in contact with the family and mentors them in terms of de- dealing with the you know life situations that uh, can just uh, really be so helpful in the long run. That's really the beauty of it. Is I always think of the quote by Mother Teresa is she said we all you know the problem with this world is we draw our family circle just a little too small. Um, But our volunteers are making their family circle a little bit bigger and inviting these families to be a part of their family and mentoring them and loving them and being a part of their life, not just a short amount of time, but hopefully um, their entire life. And it's it's just a really beautiful thing. And I think this is what community, you know, neighbors helping neighbors, these are where you find the best solutions. Um, And we see that every day. And Megan, I, I believe you've walked the walk. I mean, I understand that you've taken in kids in your own home when you have your own children. Yes, mom of four, and I've had 22 kids in my home over the last eight years. Oof. And we still have a relationship with every single one of those families. That is so wonderful. Megan, it's just so inspiring. I must say the work that you're doing is so special. It's about mainly faith-based, and that's where a lot of your uh, mentors come from, is from the churches in the air, uh, across the nation. So uh, how can people find out more? How can they make a contribution? How can they volunteer? What, what can we do? There is a role for everyone at Better Together, and so we would be honored to have people be a part of our story, whether they're donating to us or volunteering or getting their church involved. Um, Our website is www.bettertogetherus.org, and you can learn more about volunteer opportunities and ways to get involved. BetterTogetherUS.org is the website. Megan, I just uh, you're doing God's work. I just really appreciate what you are doing, the support you're providing to fam- families across the nation, and the great work that Better Together is doing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. My pleasure indeed, Megan. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with Larry Bell. He is an endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. And he also is a, a prolific author. His latest is Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, You'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Golf Shore Playhouse changes lives through exceptional theater experiences. They have plays running right now, and you can find out more and get tickets. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. We have with us Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, author of about a dozen bo- books. I've read most of them. They're all terrific. His latest is Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life by Design. And he writes a column for Newsmax a couple of times a week. Uh, it's called On Point. Uh, Professor Bell, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure indeed. Well, I know last week you couldn't come on the show because you were making a trek out to California to celebrate the Honorary Brigadier General uh, position for U.S. Space Systems Command for Buzz Aldrin. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, speak about alternative universes. Uh, flying to California was, you know, I haven't, I haven't traveled really since COVID. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it was, I forgot what a, what a thrill it is, you know, to have gate changes at the last minute. And, <laughs> you know, all that. <clears throat> You know, you go from, you, you just, you're just panning and, and breathing hard. You get to your gate, and then they tell you that it's been changed to another terminal, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it was kind of a, it was, for me, it was a, it was a challenging trip in the sense that, one hand, going to California, I just, everywhere, you know, every hotel and, you know, in the hotel lobbies, airport, you know, everywhere else. CNN is talking about uh, Trump, you know, the latest thing about Trump, you know, and and all of that. You just can't escape it, you know. And I'm realizing how how you know, why people uninformed voters vote the way they do. And then the other hand, going to the ceremony, which was very inspirational, you know, it totally different um, atmosphere, of course, very patriotic, and is that Space Command, which is Really connected with, with the Los Angeles Air, LAX airport, and uh, you know the you know we were treated so wonderfully, and uh, you know, Buzz and his, and his you know family and his friends, and but they had they had you know maybe a hundred I don't know how many people, but a lot kind of from the space program, mm-hmm. Mercury, Gemini, and, and Apollo, and and they had you know dignitaries, the Secretary of the Air Force, and and, you know, congressmen and so on. So, you know, it was presided over by a lieutenant general, three-star general. Um, it was wonderful ceremony. It was outdoors. It was on a beautiful, beautiful day. So, on one hand, you have this, this kind of, you know, trek back through history to the time when America dared to do great things. And, and there's, you know, very... Of course, it was the space race against the, with the Russians on Apollo, Mercury, Gemini, Apollo. But it's a time of great patriotism and great courage and great 
vision and great planners and and then you can compare that you can't help but compare it with you know the the sorry scene that is portrayed of America today which has none of that pride right so uh, you know professor uh, I know that you and Buzz Aldrin go way back uh, he was an astronaut and uh, you uh, designing uh, play uh, spaces for extreme outcomes and extreme weathers. That's what, probably one of the reasons that you got together. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, he's one of the guys that walked on the moon, didn't he? Yeah, Buzz and Neil were the first two that walked on the moon, and uh, I knew both of them. I know Neil was on a board of a company I founded, and, and uh, so I knew Neil. I didn't know him nearly as well as Buzz. Buzz is, uh, you know, I'm. I'm a space architect. I, I've founded an international center for space architecture that, you know, many years ago, and uh, is still very active at the University of Houston. And we we have students that come from all over the world to, uh, and a lot of them now are, are working in the commercial side of space. But it's very comprehensive planning for almost every aspect of how do you launch stuff, how do you build stuff in space, and the human issues of, um, you know, microgravity and radiation issues and how do you land stuff and how do you get stuff off the lander and and how do you use, you know, materials from the moon and Mars for <clears throat> for fuel. And, and we're kind of like the general practitioners of space. And, uh, and Buzz has always had that interest. And so Buzz goes back to... My early days of working with a space program, uh, really, um, and I started several companies and so on, but Buzz has been involved with my university activities for over 40 years, and uh, in my, in my, some of my business, some of my uh, uh, entrepreneurial activities with regard to uh, aerospace companies that I've created and so on, and, and we've been, we've been, I consider him a dear friend. He's probably my longest active friendship in my life, and uh, mm. and and I I greatly admire him. You know his his history. You know he was a like like Neil. He was a fighter pilot back in Korea. He flew sixty six missions, shot down two MIGs over the Yellow River. So you know he was a combat pilot, uh-huh. and then he goes. He, you know he graduates from the. West Point, with top honors, and manages to uh, get a PhD at MIT in orbital mechanics, which is no small deal. And and he flew on in Gemini, and you know Apollo wasn't his first rodeo. He flew on Gemini and did the the longest you know, spacewalk at that time, four and a half hours, and yeah. and applied his scuba diving interest and experience. To uh, weightless working and weightlessness, and and then of course was uh, one of two that uh, first went to the moon with, and both Buzz and Neil told me individually that they thought there was like a fifty fifty chance they would come back. Wow! And and you know who would? It you know it takes a special kind of person to uh, you know to to even consider doing something like that, and and Buzz continues to be interest you know in, interested in this and. And involved in things, you know, he's ninety-three years old, and uh, he just has a you know, he has his passion. He, he wants the he wants us to go to Mars. He doesn't he's not doesn't care too much about the moon anymore. And uh, it's the, big, the greatest the greatest line in the whole ceremony was he's talking about you know NASA plans to send astronauts around the moon and then land them soon after, and he said. He's working on Elon Musk to make sure that that he that he and Elon are there to greet them when they arrive. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Ninety-two years of age. It's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. And he got married on his birthday, which is two days after mine. He, on January on, on January twenty-first, uh, he married Anka Power, and she's a engineer, a doctor, and beautiful woman, a wonderfully devoted companion, and. She helped organize the you know the event. Uh, they had you know a lot of space command people, officers, and so on that were at the ceremony. And they were so accommodating. I mean, they were so so helpful and and uh, 
it was it was a it was a wonderful event for Buzz, and of course, now he's got his star on his shoulder, and Anka pinned it on him, and it was a, I think a proud moment for him, and a, certainly a proud moment for for me as a friend. And yeah, a beautiful day. Oh, congratulations uh, again, Professor. Larry Bell, uh, endowed professor at the University of Houston, his latest book, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, and by the way, uh, wrote a book along with uh, Buzz Aldrin. It's called Beyond Flagpoles and Footprints, Pioneering the Space Frontier. Uh, Professor, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. And Bob, I always enjoy it so much. Thank you. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's uh, show. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you'll uh, join us on Monday. We've got some great guests as well, including Mark Schulman, uh, Dr. Bob McClure uh, will be joining us, as well as uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>